Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon. And we love talking about baseball. Welcome to Almost Cooperstown. It's mid-August, and we're going to talk today about commissioners of baseball, which seems a little odd since there's no election coming up. But the new rules this year sort of have made us made me think about more about the commissioner's role in baseball. But before we do that, we're going to talk about um, what's going on in baseball right now, and uh, we've got some interesting it's, developments it, after the All Star break. I mean, it's been an eventful week, especially. Across baseball, I think certain teams have really come out firing since the All-Star break, and then there are the Mets who were dreadfully thumped yesterday in a brutal doubleheader. Really, really appreciate getting folk featured on uh, Sunday Night Baseball right after that. That's going to be fun. Uh, but no, it's just, it's just interesting looking at how certain teams that you know people were sort of panning universally their deadline moves have just come out playing like barn burners since then. And then you have other teams that sold off and you can see the effect. And then you can see teams that bought and it has not helped. But some of the teams that have, and you look at uh, Michael Lorenzen, uh, might be the best pickup at the trade deadline right now, r- fresh off his no-hitter for the Phillies. Uh, the Phillies are 8-4 and four since the trade deadline. They they saw an opportunity at least to strike at one of those wild-card spots, especially with how dreadful the rest of the NL West has been playing outside the Dodgers. And and Trey Turner has uh, looks like he's woken up finally after a season-long slumber. It was kind of hard not to think at some point he was going to turn it on. because he's such a good – it's hard to believe that a player that that's that's that good could just suddenly be that bad for that long a period of time and and as much as i i think we both feel like the astros are coming they're getting there texas has impressed me since the all-star break right i didn't see that coming i think i think 11 and 1 you were you were saying to me uh they are 10 and 1 10 and 1 wow Mm -hmm. seattle's 8 and 2 I mean, the only reason they haven't really made up more ground is Houston's eight and four since the All Star break. So they've been playing. And they're losing <laughs> ground. <laughs> they're losing ground, right? So I, th- I think the 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 Rangers have definitely been the te- the Rangers are having the season that they obviously were really hoping they would have. And well, now they have Max Scherzer. Now they have Max Scherzer, but <laughs> outside of Jake being injured, the guys they needed to show up have showed up this season. Like those, that team can hit. That team can hit, and they're. You would you're going to worry about playing them, especially in a five game series, because you could lose a game one or two to them. That was just never close. They could just club you out of the ballpark in an early game. And now all of a sudden you're playing from behind in a series the whole time. And all this has sort of pushed the Angels and Shohei's, you know, rally to the playoffs for the somehow far fetched hope that the Angels are going to keep him well, they, for next they, season. They went and they made those moves at the deadline. They and went they and they got their pitch. And they, now they're like two and nine. And so, that, so that hasn't worked out. But with Seattle's uh, sort of ascension into the race now, um, it makes the Central, you know, pretty much the winner of the Central gets in and everybody else goes home. And uh, so Cleveland better wake up because Minnesota, despite not being a a great team, has a fairly, you know, decent lead right now. I think that Minnesota sort of feels like if you've ever seen that shot from the Olympics where the Australian guy wins the gold medal in the speed skating because everybody else in front of him (laughs) fell down. It kind of feels like that where it's just sort of like the twins are the team least getting in their own way in the AL Central. Well, and, and talk about fell, fell down. Uh, Correa has had a pretty lousy season. So if you're talking about, you know, oh, was this man. guy supposed to save the Mets? And Thank if he'd have done this with the Mets, it would have been even worse. Be, <laughs> well, if they signed, the thing is, is that you would have had him instead of having Verlander. It wouldn't have, you would have been unlikely to have 
both of them. Well, let's forget. I, I, I can't even think about it. It's so unfathomable. It's right. So, it's so far so, away. Now, now it's ancient history. So, and and in the in the, in the East, uh, the Orioles just continue to impress. Uh, they they just are relentless, and and I just didn't expect them to go the the whole way, like really not letting up, but their foots to them to the get to the metal, and they are going. And, sp- and they definitely take advantage of a Rays team that's kind of stumbled. You know, at least in in July, Stumble, right, right, stumbled by race standards. But I think they're only about five hundred over their past, you know, thirty games or something like that. So you know, that's a big difference for them from from, where they came from. Where they came from, they're sort of having a similar track to the Yankees that that had last. Would you pronounce the Yankees done? More so, just because it's hard to believe that they're going to be able to come from last place in the division all the way back. Done. I'll say it. Yeah. Done. Yankees are done. Uh, Red Sox never really had a chance, in my opinion. No, the fact that they were even in the conversation. But, but good, good for them because they've had a better season than, than we thought. Uh, and then yeah, the Braves are doing brave things and pounding the Mets, and we all know that. I mean, I'm just glad that for the rule changes because it made watching that 21 to three game at least go by a little bit quicker. <laughs> yes, yes, and and that you know. <laughs> well, that's a good segue, right? Because we're going to talk about commissioners and rule changes. Yeah, the rule changes have definitely gone over well this year. And then maybe that's something that Rob Manfred doesn't get enough credit for, is Ooh. that the rule changes by by a pretty great. Well, and, 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 and it's been an experiment that they've worked on for years. And, and I do give Manfred some of the credit for being one of the uh, – driving forces behind making these changes and we got to make the game faster and all the Manfred has, you know, you know how a doctor can have a really bad bedside manner and you think he has a, that's Manfred, man. He he is the worst person to get up and talk to people because whatever comes out of his mouth, even if it's good, it sounds bad. Right, right, right. <laughs> he just sounds like even when he's trying to be sincere, he sounds insincere. It sounds like he's talking out of like, like, you know, just like, he's just like, Oh my God, did he really just say that? Well, the whole A's thing he did with the, with the ballpark and, and the snarky, you know, well, right. they had a major league crowd tonight. You know, that's nice to have. It's like, like, these that, are your fans. What, they're what, supporting what are you your doing? products. Why are you doing that? You know, even if you're right, by the way, he wasn't wrong. So he can be right all the time and, and or not right frequently, but he admitted to being wrong. Actually, when he said that the decision, on giving immunity to the Astros uh, for the Astrogate World Series was, quote, maybe not my best decision ever. Yeah, we already made it. So, you know, and of course, that's that's really not sincere. And, 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 I, and, I, and I do take issue with this one because Major League Baseball didn't want to do anything about the Astros. They did not want to touch that with a 500-foot they, pole. They, could you imagine? So this is what fans were asking for. But first, the Dodgers, who who lost the championship series. And the Yankees. Uh, I, 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 I mean, the Yankees lost the championship series, and then Dodgers lost the World Series. Um, you know, they should have vacated the World Series and made – the Dodgers World Series champions. There's that's never gonna happen. The only, There's no way that was right, gonna right, happen. The only <laughs> way that you would ever get that would be is if you had like the Houston team president, the manager, and like Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve we did it. all standing around <laughs> in like a garage wearing like hats and like cloaked things going, We're going to cheat to win the World Series. Yes, we're all cheating by using signs stolen from the center field to cheat to win the World Series. Unless you have them on tape saying that exactly, they were never going to be and then video of them doing it. And it's just and it's and it's just the evidence that they did or didn't do it, right? So it's not whether it worked or not. 
right? So we don't really know that George Springer heard the trash cans banging, knew it was a fastball, and hit the next fe- pitch over the fence in left field for a home right, run. You would have had to have a lot of different... That's a lot of but dots that need to be connected. Major League Baseball had no interest no in interest investigating in to see if no, those dots did actually fair, It wasn't impartial. And so that's where the commissioner's you know, office is today. It wasn't always like that. Um, and, and so it started... You know, I, I do think it is... because I, like, I think the history of... I'll admit, knowing commissioners, I don't really know anything about them past like the ceiling. So there's 10 of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know about the first one because we talk about it somewhat frequently on this podcast when we talk about Judge Landis being there for... as Kennesaw Mountain Landis being there for 25 years. And he was brought in to deal with the Black Sox scandal. So that's really, there was no commissioner before this, right? You had league presidents. Right, because the, the there trust was no in, need for it. Yeah, the trust in the league was broken. Uh, well, uh, right, and they, they wanted to make it seem like they were getting gambling out of the game because in 1919, that was a big issue, you know, the general public had with it, is the game being played on the level, and that was that was why the Black well, Sox and, and, and was what it was. Right, because, I mean, think about it from a fan standpoint, is you didn't even get to watch the game most of the time. You just heard about it. So you was like you could watch the events unfolding for yourself. You just kind of had to trust everybody that, yeah, that definitely happened that way. But, so I could understand why gambling and fear of corruption in the game was so much stronger back then because it, it kind of seems unfathomable to have that, that happen now, at least on the major league level. I If there's a market for gambling on minor league games, those games being fixed in some way would surprise me way less simply because there's way less people paying attention to them. And way less people betting on them, too. Right. So it's not, not much of a take on minor league um, games. So so Landis also had another uh, you know, thing he tried to avoid, and that is integration. Mm-hmm. So he stood in the way of, of integrating baseball. and Not a great look for him. Not a great look. And and so you know Landis was the one that prevented Bill Veck, if you remember, from buying the Phillies because he got the owners together and they ended up not selling the Phillies in because Veck was going to integrate the team. And Landis also was a commissioner at an interesting time because he was at a commissioner time where there wasn't a players union. So his level of control is virtually unmatched to every other commissioner because of that, because he could just do whatever he wanted to the players. And what were they going to do? And, and this, the, the alignment between the baseball owners at the time was not like it is today. I mean, it, 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 most of the owners, almost all of them, except for Vec, as we talked about in a prior podcast, his wife owned the team. Um, and he had to sell He had to sell the team when they got divorced the next year after the, the Indians won the world series in 1948. Um, they are a. They were a millionaires' club, maybe not a billionaires' club. But now everybody is so in, in lockstep, and that's sort of evolved over time, such that you know. And also, your ability to talk to one another and how you relate right. to one another is so much more different because these guys were probably so much more of rivals back in the day than they are now. Where they're rivals now, but they're much more of a club. There wasn't nearly the money going through Major League Baseball, obviously, right. at the time. So they they were trying to control their own markets also, to make as much money locally as they had, could. Usually, it was much more the case of one singular person owning the team rather than for a lot of the teams these trusts of people it's like a group of them well there were consortiums that owned teams back in, at, at that time as well though that, that wasn't it wasn't always one there was a principal owner as, right. as it ended up being with, with you know the Yankees for instance with George Steinbrenner um, so Happy Chandler f- 
fi- followed um, followed uh, Judge Landis, and he was the guy that was. And I don't even think of it this way. He was there for eight years, and he was the commissioner when Jackie Robinson uh, came into baseball in 1947. So if and he lost his job after that because when his contract was up, the owners fired him because he, he didn't do what they wanted to, and he integrated baseball. Right. So you could argue that so so he he's like a hero. He gets a lot of credit there for <laughs> right. basically going against the for, for risking and losing his job over doing what was right in integrating baseball. So so bully for him, uh, Ford Frick. Um, followed him, and he is around for 15 years. Um, and and Ford Frick is known, I think, for one thing, and that is the asterisk. The asterisk, right? You know what the asterisk is. So Ford Frick was apparently a ghostwriter for Babe Ruth back, you know, in the 30s and 40s. And when Roger Maris in 1961 oh, was approaching was the a- record, you know, he came near the end of the season. He goes. I see Ruth did it in 154 games. Roger Maris does it in 162. So we have to put an asterisk next to, next to Roger Maris's name as the all-time single-season home run champ because he didn't do it in the same amount of games as Babe Ruth. Oh, man. That is absolutely... People would lose their <laughs> That minds. is the way it went down. People would lose their <laughs> minds today if somebody tried to pull something like that. Because that's just... Well, you just like Ruth more. That's all that is. So, oh, I've created some weird new... Metric to measure the, the, the statistic again. Saha, do you Ruth think? Wins. Do you think Mark McGuire should have had an asterisk next to the seventy and Barry Bonds an asterisk next to seventy three? Steroids is very different than games played. <laughs> yes, it was a rhetorical question. Um, so after Frick uh, left office, Bill Eckert came in. And he was a National League president. I remember because this is now when I was, uh, um, you know, really young. Uh, I don't remember he was there only a few years, and he apparently. Uh, did not uh, you know, do a very good job of getting along with the owners, and he was forced out uh, in, in advance of a player's strike that was being threatened, and he so wasn't he, managing yeah, he was only, it well. He was only commissioner for three seasons. It's got to be tough to really Four. have any kind of effect on the game if you're there for that short a period of time. Right, right, and and so he he got out of there, and then Bowie Kuhn came in, and and probably from you know the, the most influential in my early years commissioner because he was the guy that got involved with uh, trying to protect the interests of the game by using the phrase "best interests of baseball." So he, first he had to kick out Denny McLean, who won uh, thirty one games in nineteen sixty eight before Bowie Kuhn got in there because he associated with gamblers. So he had to he had to suspend him and get him out. Um, he banned Will. Mays and Mickey Mantle uh, for their associations with casinos. So a lot of, at that time, a lot of athletes would be greeters at casinos in the off season, just as a way to make extra money. And the fans would like to go to the casino and see the famous player. Take a picture with Mickey, whatever Mantle it was. You know, so that, that, that was a way. Um, and he also was obviously the guy that was on the positive side of winning the Kurt Flood Reserve Clause thing, which is a big, a big, big deal. Um, the best interest of baseball stuff, and and this is relevant even today because the Mets, who we we talked about are are clearly tanking right. you know you know if Bowie Kuhn were around, he might have looked at this and said, you guys aren't trying. That is not in the best interest of baseball. As he he negated a trade the Yankees tried to make back in the 19th, saying it wasn't in the best interest of baseball. They were selling off, you know, the players for, you know, for the wrong reason and, and trading guys the wrong way. And so, and and he did the same to Charlie Finley, who, who basically tried to fire a player when he made errors in the World Series to get him to sign some sort of release, you know, leaving the team. And, and and he wouldn't let that happen either. So Kuhn was an interesting guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, wasn't particularly well liked, but was probably the last of the semi-independent, one of the last of the right. semi-independent because I could never imagine Manfred right. ever d- defying the owners to be like, no, you can't make that trade. 
Right, right. I don't believe it's it's against the competitive integrity of baseball to make that trade. I just can't see that happening. So, um, and and, and be, after Kewing was there, he was Kewing was there for sixteen years. Um, you had a guy who got the job because he ran the LA Olympics really well in nineteen eighty four, and for some reason they thought he might know something about baseball, and so. Weird. The, Weird. Yes, and they made Peter Uberoth mm-hmm. a commissioner. He lasted there for about six years, uh, and th- he ended up getting uh, the collusion charges laid against the Major League uh, Major League Baseball from the MLBPA, and they lost. They said they lost. Ooh, that's not a good look. They lost two hundred and eighty million dollars. They had to pay. Because and, he also lost his job. And then subsequent to that, he was he was out of there after nineteen eighty nine. When Bart Giamatti came in, who was a Yale professor and a big Red Sox fan, um, and he was the guy that suspended Pete. Rose um, for 30 games after Rose shoved Dave Pallone, but that was only the beginning with Pete Rose and Bart Giamatti. Um, he suspended the pitcher Jay Howell for using pine tar. So people, commissioners weren't doing that kind of stuff at the time. To, 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 to be suspending to, players themselves. Stepping in and, and having, you know, actually impact on players and games itself. So he's the one that took the uh, permanent ineligibility agreement with Pete Rose for, for baseball. Um, I don't think Pete knew at the time that he was taking his chance for the Hall and of it, Fame out of it. And it's interesting because he was only commissioner for like a year, right? right. He died. Um, in at, at in at the end of his in, well, in his term after banishing Rose, right after banishing Rose, and it was taken over by Faye Vincent, who was a friend of his, and Faye Vincent had a very eventful four-year tenure while taking over in 1989, including the 89 World Series and deciding whether to play the World Series after the earthquake happened or not. So that was a big thing, banning George Steinbrenner. That lasted. That didn't. <laughs> yeah, um, he had the 1990 lockout. You know, as part not, of it, never a good this, thing this to is have. All in four saying, years, ne- you never want to have a lockout on your resume as a commissioner. And, and he had to finally be the guy to get rid of Steve Howe. Do you know anything about Steve Howe? No. Steve Howe was a left-handed pitcher. Came up with the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up on the Yankees, and he is the only guy in baseball where the term. And, and poor Steve Howe was, you know, he's an addict basically, and he died tragically in, in a rollover crash about, you know. Uh, 18 years ago uh, with metamphetamine in his system. So the, the poor guy had an amazing drug problems, an amazing pitcher. Seven times and you're out. He got suspended seven times. I, 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 and when you think about that going, okay, like after the first five times, you might've said, you know, okay, we're done with this guy. You know, seven times he got suspended before he was finally kicked out of the game by Faye Vincent. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm trying to think of, imagine if a player today got caught with like something seven times. They would never, you wouldn't make it to five. <laughs> I don't even think they get to three at this right, point. Three, it's usually three and you're out. So so Vincent, you know, because he was independent enough, got got the lost the confidence of the owners. And so what they decided to do is put Bud Selig in charge. So this is where you had one of the owners become the commissioner. This is where you see the turn. Right. Really where you saw the turn and the owner became much more in lockstep alignment with the owners. Right, right. And 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 because he was an owner, well, I guess he had to I didn't guess. Silic had to resign his position. He did. With that, so his kids were in charge of the of the Brewers, which I guess he's back in, in now that he's no longer commissioner. Um and and Selig, you know, he was there for a lot of weird stuff also during the, during his tenure in baseball. But he also, you know, did he got interleague play involved. He did a lot of really he, good. He, he was there when a lot of, lot of different there, yeah, things interleague happened. Interleague play, automatic replay. I mean, he was there for. Expanding the playoffs. 23 years, expanding the playoffs. Um, he, World he, baseball classic. He tried some weird things like giving the um, the home field advantage based on who won the All-Star game. Thankfully, they only did Yeah, that, that didn't, didn't work. He, he moved the uh, Nationals from Montreal. 
uh, well, was there during his, uh, you know, uh, his tenure. Uh, he had a drug testing policy. Uh, he started the World Baseball Classic. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, Selig, who we love to hate because he was the first owner's lackey because he was an owner. Right. I think Selig is the one of the better versions of the current sort of style of commissioner that you're going to get because, like, as dry as he was – you would not. You didn't feel like he was talking out of one side of his mouth. Like you kind of feel like. Whereas with Manfred, I don't even know if it's that. Like it, maybe Seelig was just better at covering it up. Oh, uh, I. But it's exactly what you said at the know. beginning of this. His bedside banner just sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Manfred, you know, so Manfred, I guess he, he took him three votes to get to be commissioner. Um, never a good sign. Never a good sign. Um, and he, he's an attorney, and I think that's interesting now because I think, like sports agents, I, I wonder if the commissioner has to have legal knowledge enough to know what you can't and can't do without having somebody tell you what you can't and can't do because you don't know the law. You need to have like some counsel with you before you hand out any edicts if you don't we're, really know. We're going to have Kelly uh, and uh, Troop on on the podcast who's a lawyer so she'll talk to us a little bit about yeah, you know, about how important it will be for the commissioner to be uh, you know to, to be a lawyer so I, I think Manfred who you know I, I like that he's he's kind of been the baseball mad scientist a little bit in terms of coming up with these new rule things at the minor league level. So the positive side are going to be testing the new rules that they implemented this year. Um, the pitch clock, the, the even the shift, which I I said I hated, and I still don't love the fact that they eliminated it. But it kind of came around. It has it has it just hasn't had a big impact on the game to me as a fan watching the game. Right, that's kind of what I kept thinking is that it's the kind of thing that doesn't impact the viewing experience for the fan by removing. The stolen bases being up as they predicted because of this. So those are good rule changes. Where he falls down is he's he's an owner lackey so that he's going to always fall on the side of the owner. So when you have something like PEDs, and he was involved in that before he was commissioner with on those committees, he, his job is to suppress it and make it go away and have it not hurt the and, owner's and value. Obviously, the whole situation with the Astros and Major League Baseball really dragging their feet on investigating that or doing anything like that. And then him later coming out and saying that was his biggest regret. Like, oh, really? Come on. Yeah, of course. And, and I guess it, it maybe it bothers me more than a little that they call the runner on second base in extra innings the Manfred Man. So you're not familiar with Manfred Man and the Earth Band from the 1970s because this was a rock and roll. So that's that's the old joke, you know, against it in terms of what you're trying to do with that, um, which is ha-ha, so funny. I mean, that, that's a very obscure yeah, joke. Yeah, well, pretty obscure. And it's it's really... Look, you know, I, I, the idea I mean, it's just old. The, the idea that it's that they have an extra runner and extra innings to anybody who's going to consider themselves a baseball purist are the same people that said they never want to see a DH. Uh, I'm just, it's the uh, same thing, right? It, it, I'm sorry, I don't want to watch a game going into the 13th inning more than anybody else does. Anybody that's like, oh, I love those games, no, you don't. A one nothing pitcher's duel in the 14th inning. It's like know. 11. At least it'll go faster today. So, yeah. so that's <laughs> back then it would be like midnight, and you're like, oh my god, I just want this game to end. All the more reason why I still think that they could be less stubborn in baseball, Mister Manfred, uh, and maybe not have the extra runner in the 10th inning and start in the 11th inning. Play one clean I, extra inning. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, you know, so you, you're allowed to tweak it a little bit and and not have it in the playoffs at all, which I still think is weird that they don't have. And and what do you think about them having the rules which they haven't really settled on 100% in this year's playoffs. Will the new rules for the pitch clock and so be included in the playoffs? At least for the first round. Because they'll do that. I think so too. Because if they're like, oh, this doesn't impact the players are fine with it, they would love to have the pitch clock for the playoffs. Do you think think they can 
they can change their mind after the first round and go, we don't want to have, they have to decide whether they're going to do this before. Right. But I just think that if you're Major League Baseball, you're thinking, oh my God, for the, the AL and the NLCS, we can start the games at eight, run it with the pitch clock, and they're over by 10.30. I love that idea. I mean, it, for suddenly for the fans, all of the playoff B games become watchable propositions. I think they could start those games at 7. You could you could start one at 7.30 and one at like 9.30. I mean, East right. Coast for the World Series, you have to start a little later, although the idea that people are rushing home from work to watch the game is a little bit archaic. To but, but, <laughs> yeah, I, I think with the World Series, 8 o'clock start. Yeah, that's 5 o'clock on the West Coast. 5 o'clock on the West Coast. Sorry, Hawaii. Sorry, Hawaii. <laughs> Yeah. More, there's more people on the East Coast anyway. But I, so I, I just think that ultimately my biggest issue with Manfred is just the what, what seems like the almost refusal to play the game. Come, like, come on, at least, you know, give me the spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go. Yeah, this is, don't give me the snark. Right. You know, I, I just don't need it. I don't need this flippy comments on the Oakland, which is losing a team. Right. So that, you're the, you're the, you shouldn't be making snippy comments to a fan base, people that love the game that you're the commissioner of that are just upset because their favorite team like and, and, and I'm sorry. I know personally, if you told me the Mets are going to move, they're going to go somewhere else and they won't be the New York Mets anymore. I wouldn't follow baseball in the same way if that ever happened. So I couldn't ever mm-hmm. expect the Oakland A's fans to feel any other way. That when you lose your team, your relationship with the sport is going to be forever changed. But how would you have felt if if Commissioner Manfred came to uh, Steve Cohen and said, oh, you can't trade Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. It's not in the best interest of baseball. That trade is negated. I would say, well, what are you talking about? We're giving – it's a fair trade that the other team – you know, the, it's not like – I don't think that's an issue. I don't think you could have done that because it wasn't like the team could, trading for Verlander or for Max were they were trying to go for it. So they were trying to win the World Series. So it was still like there was a there was sense to the move. It wasn't like a good team giving away a good player for no reason other than they just didn't want to pay him. And and the fact that the Mets are clearly tanking um, with the intent of trying to get a better draft pick. I mean, I, I think it's pretty bald faced right now. You know what's going on. Look at those lineups and tell me it's not that could be something where the commissioner can come and say, "So wait a second, are the are the paying fans getting their money's right. worth?" And, and that is when where, the team isn't trying. I'm going to say this, and that's where you would say, "Come in and tell me." Yeah, you think Rob Manfred is going to be his bosses and telling them that exactly that these are guys who are running their businesses. I'm going to let them run their businesses, and and you know what the fans do if if they don't like what's going on. They stop showing up. Right. I think that if a team can, a team would have to go so cheap and so ineffective for the other owner. Like they would have to start giving a bad reputation to the other owners for them to want Manfred to do something about it. Well, it hasn't happened in Oakland. Hasn't happened in Oakland. <laughs> but I'm saying like, like, let's say they, like Oakland had no plans to move, but they just kept running the franchise mm-hmm, this way. Mm-hmm. Then they might make Manfred step in because now that starts negatively I think that's fair. I think, I think that's, a, that's a fair or point. Or if there's some team feeling that inferior of a product because they're saying, no, it's not good. It looks bad for us when Oakland shows up and, and they're going to be mad because they're going to be like, wait a second. Oakland shows up at my stadium, plays a game, gets a cut of the money while paying a tenth for the players because they're trotting out a bunch of guys that all stink. Wait a second. I don't like this. So if you had to, you know, and we'll talk about Rob Manfred one more time. So if you had to guess, I don't know if you saw this, what does Rob Manfred make annually? What is his salary? I'm going to guess conservative. Is it $600,000? $17.5 million. <laughs> So, so there, all the baseball fans just went, ah, 
they're, okay. they're losing their collective okay. minds. I don't feel bad for Rob Bedford. I hate anymore. this guy more than ever. So, oh, my God. So <laughs> 17. He gets paid more than some of the players. <laughs> so, so with that in mind, you know, there, there's, he's in a no-win situation. You're never going to like the commissioner ever. 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 They're like, like, all you're just doing, you're hoping is it, it, you know, it could be worse. That's what I keep thinking. It could be worse. I'm not sure how. It could be a dragon. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. Follow us on Twitter at Almost Cooper.